Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Kitty Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome for just one year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. A lot of interesting topics have come up over the years, and I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and the editor of Wear Rome magazine. And she's an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with a determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. You could also participate in our share and win some prizes. Find details on how to play along at our About page at thebittersweetlife.net. We're glad you're here. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. I am currently in San Francisco, Tiffany Parks, over in Rome, Italy. And it's been a big news week in the United States, although you could say that about every single week yeah. nowadays, yeah. as anybody in the United States knows, the news flies so fast now, we don't even know what's going on. But there's been a lot of focus on Brett Kavanaugh's run for the Supreme Court and very little focus on President Donald Trump's tax returns, which had a little bit of a revelation. We're not going to get into the weeds of politics here, but because <laughs> all the focus has been on so much news, I did want to check in with Tiffany to see how she's feeling. Yeah. Because I know you're news obsessed, as yes. we have mentioned before, even more so than I am. Was. Was. I, I made a change. Oh, what happened? Do I tell. made a change this week. Okay, so a little bit of background. You may already have guessed this, but I'll just lay it out there. I basically became obsessed with politics in a way that I have never even come close. <laughs> I mean, I've never been into politics. I'm into art and music and theater and literature. Yes. That's what I'm into. Rome, travel, podcasting. Yes, I would never take you for a political junkie, for sure. No, no, I, I've never been one. And it started around... I don't know, November 2016, somewhere in there. I can't pinpoint the date, but that was about the time. <laughs> um, you can go back to listen to a show called Election, and maybe it's right around that time that we did it. <laughs> yeah, it was right around that time, give or take a month. What really kicked it off for me was I started watching Rachel Maddow mm -hmm. on YouTube. When you watch a show like that, like I don't know if you've ever watched her, but she just goes into, into very, very, very minute detail about things. And it's not just sort of like reading the headlines. I might have read the headlines before the first couple paragraphs of an article, but I never got deep. So I started watching this show and I started to just get really interested and really angry and, you know, like many, 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 many people. Mm -hmm. And then I started curating this list on Twitter of all political journalists and other people who write about politics. And I started reading this list on Twitter. And I started waking up in the morning, checking the news, the first thing I did. It was a very slow thing, but it slowly over time built up and built up and built up. And it got to the point where I'm listening to a political podcast on my way to work. I'm listening to a different political podcast. I'm like daily, daily things 
on the way home during my lunch break. I'm on YouTube listening to Rachel Maddow or other shows on cable news. I'm on my phone just on the Twitter politics list. I'm not even like looking at fun things or cat videos or even Instagram, like as if I'm a newscaster. Yeah. You understand people who work in the news, they have to be up on it and they have to do this. Yeah. I don't have to do this. So why am I doing it? You know, I found myself just, it was just constant. I would be at the breakfast table with my son and I would be like scrolling through Twitter and getting angry. I think that up until recently, yes, I've gotten angry about a lot of things, but nothing compared to this whole Supreme Court fight. And I know that I'm not alone. And I watched the whole night of commentary, day and night. I mean, it, went, it ended at 1 a.m. here in Rome, 1.30. And I get up at 5 to write. So, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> staying up till 1.30 is not something I usually do. In fact, I, I had missed my day, my morning of writing the next day. And it hit me. Like, it hit me. I can't remember when exactly it was. It was a morning, a couple, three, four days ago, two, three days ago. It hit me. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't follow this anymore. Actually, I had initially come to the the conclusion just before the testimony that happened on Thursday of a week ago, Thursday. I said, okay, as soon as this is over, as soon as the vote has happened, and back then we thought the vote was going to be happening that weekend. I said, as soon as that's over, I'm taking a break. I'm just going to take a break. I'm not going to listen to Rachel Maddow anymore. I'm not going to listen to any of my political podcasts. I'm not going to be on Twitter. I'm going to take a break from politics altogether. That was my plan. And then, of course, that big, crazy, surprise FBI investigation happened. And so I was like, okay, I have to follow this for another week. <laughs> and I was like, Tiffany, you don't have to follow this for another week. You are not Rachel Maddow. Like, nobody out there in the world is waiting to hear what you think about this. Nobody cares. And you're not the person who has to transmit the news to everyone else. That's not my role. And there's no reason for me to follow this if I don't want to, if it's upsetting me. So I decided on, I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, I just said, okay, that is it. I considered just deleting my Twitter political feed, but then I thought, well, A, that took a lot of work to get together, so I don't want to get rid of it. (laughs) And B, that doesn't mean that like my regular Twitter isn't also going to have political commentary in it, because it does. So I decided to just delete the Twitter app from my phone. So my Twitter account is still there and I can, I still tweet, but I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. You don't understand. Also, this was taking an amazing amount of time away from my work. I was losing so much productivity because like every two seconds, I'm like, maybe something happened in the last five seconds since I've checked my Twitter. You know, like that was the level of craziness. Like I'd be sitting there writing. I'm like, okay, I haven't tracked Twitter in five minutes. Maybe something just happened. Like maybe there's a new bombshell. So I deleted Twitter my app. And I also stopped with the podcast. I found a whole bunch of different podcasts, totally different thing. And now I'm on a complete political break. With the exception of, I will log on to an online newspaper and just look at the headlines. I'm not reading the articles. I'm just looking at the headlines. But what I have found is that even in like two or three days, I would love to hear from someone who has had addiction problems. I mean, not that I'm going to compare this to like an actual physical chemical addiction, but I'm curious, like someone who had abused a drug and then stopped, if that same thing that they used to take to be just to be normal would make them like freak out. Because now when I open up a website, a newspaper website, 
and I just look at the headlines, I immediately get this sick feeling in my stomach. And I just have to turn it off. Like, I can't look at it. And I'm like, geez, not even a week ago, I was doing that yeah. all day. Yeah. Was there something in particular? See, because you, you're you not living in the United States. So, and we've talked about this before, people could argue that you have the opportunity, the ability to shut it off because in your day-to-day life, other stuff's going on. But is there a particular reason why you think you became addicted? Was there like a certain storyline that was thrusting you forward or what's going on? Well, I will tell you that ironically, because I'm all the way over here, I think that's kind of what kicked me into overdrive in the first place, because I feel very isolated over here in terms of the political climate in, in the United States. I do have expat friends, American expat friends, but I don't spend a ton of time with them. I have a kid, I have a busy job life, and I just don't socialize as much as I would like to. And so I don't spend a lot of time with Americans. The most people I spend time with are my family, my husband's family, and my coworkers. And they're all Italian. And they don't get it. Even if they were to follow the news themselves, and they do follow it a little bit, they can't understand it from the point of view of an American. It has to be like your own country. You're never going to feel it as deeply if it's not your own country, whatever country we're talking about. And I kind of, this, this feeling of isolation, I think, has forced me to follow it more. Not forced me, but has led me to follow it more because I feel like I don't even know who to talk to about this. So I'm just going to let Rachel Maddow talk at me, you know? Or I'm just going to let Twitter talk at me because I don't have anyone to bounce my feelings off of. And there have been a couple of times when I've gone into work and tried to talk to my coworkers and my boss, who we heard from way back, right after Trump was elected, I did a little short interview with him. I started talking to him about some random, you know, the most recent thing. I don't know. This was a couple of weeks ago. It's like even before this whole Kavanaugh debacle. He just gave me this look like as if to say, why do you care? So? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I realized that In Italy, like their government is so corrupt and it's been so corrupt for so long that they're all totally numb to it. And it's just something that they've accepted and that they just roll their eyes at. There's nothing to be done. And they're just resigned to it. And I don't think Americans are there yet. Yeah. But I got to tell you, this past week, I've got, I got pretty close to that. And my anger at many things, but in particular, just because it's the thing of the moment, this whole Kavanaugh thing, this anger at it has sort of turned to a kind of sadness and even more recently, a kind of numbness. Like, I honestly don't even know if I care anymore. Well, I know that's not true. It's not true that I don't care, but it's honestly, I think I'm gearing myself up for the confirmation because then if I convince myself I don't care, I won't feel as bad. And I won't be as devastated, you know? Yeah. I think it's like Mm -hmm. a way of coping. And I think that's a way that the Italians use to cope with the government system over here. That's a total disaster. It's a total mess. I mean, I got to say it's worse than the United States, even though we're giving them a run for their money. But I think it's even worse. And it's been like this for a long time. So I think you just have to kind of be like, it's a way to just protect yourself. To be like, oh, whatever. It's a total joke. It's not possible that it'll be any better. So you don't get hurt. I know I'm rambling, right? No, no, I'm very mean, emotional. What I'm thinking while you're talking, because you're talking about this sense of isolation, and 
I don't know if that sense of isolation that you're experiencing is any different than the sense of isolation everyone over here is experiencing. I was just sort of contemplating that in my head because a lot of what's going on politically in the United States right now is happening online. It is all, all of us following it on Twitter. Yeah, we're talking about it a little bit in person, but these are like major issues. It's not only little nitty gritty things about Trump and his taxes or whether or not this guy did something in the 80s, Judge Kavanaugh, but it's the beginning of a major cultural shift. And because of that, the lines have been divided so severely that people on each side of the line can barely even talk to each other about it anymore. Yeah. You know, let alone how do we talk to each other about it? I mean, there's all these confessions online of people talking about their sexual assaults or men talking about their bad behavior in high school or the bad behavior of the people that they knew. And yeah, these conversations are happening, but those are also conversations that are extremely difficult to have in person. So a lot of it is happening online. I don't know, maybe there are people who are doing this, but I don't see a lot of women sitting down in a group and being like, what happened to you? What happened to me? What do we make of that? I see them doing it online and supporting each other online. Now, that could be that I'm also a little isolated because I don't know as many people in San Francisco. And if I was in Seattle, maybe a bunch of women would get together and we'd have these conversations. But but I do think that it's all these major issues that are so difficult to talk about on both sides. That includes the fear from sexual assault or the fear that the culture is going to shift and the white guys are going to be out of power. Whatever it is, people are having a really, really hard time not feeling isolated because so much is brought up in these issues. Watching those confirmation hearings, we were going back and forth, turning it off, turning it back on again, you know, because it was like enraging. But then at the same point, you're like, God, it's so dramatic. And then it also felt like you were watching Lindsey Graham, for instance, who's a senator, audition for a movie. It had all these like bizarre elements where you felt like I'm watching something from Hollywood right now. My bigger point is, I just don't know that the isolation is only you. I kind of feel like everybody's feeling it. That could be. That could be that there is a certain amount of isolation even in the States. But I do feel like, I think I've mentioned this briefly before, but I was in Canada on 9-11. I was living in Montreal. And I had the same kind of feeling then. Not as much, but I just remember being that morning on the metro on my way to work. I mean, I had it had happened before I left home. I'd seen videos of it. I knew that it had happened. And I was just sitting there on the train and I felt like my world had just totally been shattered and everyone else was sitting there like it was a totally normal day. And there were these, on the metro in, um, in Montreal, there's these kind of, or there used to be, how many years ago, 10, 15 years ago this was, there were these readers, I don't know what you would even call them, like a... Like news tickers? Yeah, kind of, like a news ticker, yeah. yeah. And it would have the top news. And I just remember this thing going by saying, attack on America, this huge news. I mean, it was like the biggest news of the decade. And these Canadian, French Canadians just sitting there, <laughs> like... Nothing happened. And even at school, even at my university, hardly anybody seemed to care. But do you think that that's true? Or do you think that that was just like your perception of it? Because it was mind shattering for you. I'm not saying nobody cared, but it wasn't a huge deal to them. It wasn't their country. Everyone else in the States was experiencing this coming together of people, you know, this 
solidarity and people were putting flags outside their houses and I didn't feel that you know people were hugging in the streets I remember I don't know if you remember but like three or four nights after they like said okay on this particular night we're gonna have a candlelit vigil and everyone should stand outside their homes with a candle I wanted to feel like I was part of that and I was living alone I lived in this neighborhood of Montreal, the old port. I don't know if anybody else knows that area, but it's kind of not very residential, mostly office buildings and a few apartment buildings. And I I just remember going downstairs on my little porch with a candle and feeling like a total idiot. There was internet, but no one had internet on their phones. So it's not like I even could like be posting on Twitter and like feel like there was some kind of community. And I remember this guy just walked past and he was like, oh, how cute making fun of me and he's like oh you're you're praying for your country that's so cute and I just felt so completely alone and I feel like that now I felt like that on the morning after the election you know I got on the subway to go to work it was the same sort of feeling all of these people on this train like their lives haven't changed their world hasn't changed but mine has you know when I was watching the Kavanaugh hearing I couldn't sit and watch it with another person from my country who could be like, oh my gosh, we're living through this historic moment together. We're witnessing this historic moment Mm -hmm. together. You know, I was literally at the playground with my son and I was on YouTube and I had one earphone in my ear and I'm trying to like engage with him, but I'm trying to listen at the same time. And it just, nobody, Mm -hmm. nobody even knew about it. And I can't, I just feel like I can't sit, you know, sometimes you just want to sit and bitch with somebody else who thinks exactly the same way you do like you're not going to convince them of anything it's not like you're having a real true discussion and you're throwing around ideas and you're arguing and convincing each other sure it's like you're preaching to the choir you know that kind of conversation sometimes you need that one could argue this is that conversation yeah it could be (laughs) maybe i just maybe this is what i need i just feel like sometimes you do need that Mm mm-hmm it makes you feel like you're not alone to have that kind of conversation. I'm not saying that's the only kind of conversation you should have. And I'm not saying you shouldn't also interact with people who think differently from you. But sometimes you need that. And I don't have that right now unless I'm talking to you or my few friends who are Americans. And I've filled that void with this excess of digital consumption of news. And it's making me feel bad and it's making me unhappy. And so I just stopped. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what else could you really do? Can you see like any sort of other solution besides? Here's the thing. Obviously, you're not going to just sell your apartment and move back to the United States right now. No, (laughs) no. If anything, I don't want to go back right now. Yeah. I'm kind of all or nothing type of a person. I can't just eat a little bit of chocolate. I'll eat the whole bar. If I want to write in the morning, I can't do it once a week. I have to do it every day. That's just how I am. I could probably get addicted to something very easily. That's why I'm so careful not to go near addictive substances because I think I would I would become addicted to something. And I think I did become addicted to Facebook back in the day. And so instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to cut back on Facebook, I had to quit. And I think that I have become addicted to at least the political side of Twitter. So for right now, I just have to quit. I can't do things in moderation. So I have to make these big changes. And I'm not saying I'm going to stick my head in the sand and not know what's going on, but I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. And I'm not going to read up on it. I'm not going to think that I need to know every single thing because the world's going to keep on going. And so the kicker was, so we all want to make a difference, right? And we had that amazing guest on 
couple of years ago, Ezra Levin, who you interviewed about Indivisible and what expats can do to stay involved. And I, after, as soon as that hearing was over, I got on the phone, I got on Skype and I called Jeff Flake, my senator, and I left a message and I mentioned it on my Instagram story and I got a couple comments from people saying, wow, way to go. That's so good. You know, I'm feeling happy about myself. And then I get a, a comment from my mom and you know, Instagram story comments are, they're private. You, no one else can see them. So I get this message from my mom saying, and I, I hope she's not listening right now. <laughs> mom. Mom, it turned turn it, it off if you're listening. Not my mom, your mom. <laughs> mom, you can stay. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom, I can't remember her exact wording, but she basically said, I think that poor man has been totally wrongfully accused. And we called Senator Flake too. Mm. Well, there goes my call. It was voided out by my mother's. Well, you know, maybe you made a more convincing argument. <laughs> I don't know. know. But all I know is, I feel very isolated from my family as well. Because with the exception of one sister and one uncle, my whole family thinks the opposite about what I think on every single political issue, including this one. And I have a little group chat with my sisters on WhatsApp. I have five sisters, four half sisters and one whole sister. And we don't talk about politics. Never, ever, ever bring up politics. Just because we know that Monique and I full sister think one way full sister think one way and everyone else thinks the opposite and so we don't talk about politics and we all love each other and we have a good relationship but I couldn't resist <laughs> it's totally it's on me and all I wrote was is anybody else watching this thing this hearing and Monique of course wrote back immediately she's like I'm watching it yeah. And that opened Pandora's box. Uh. Three out of the four other sisters weighed in. And they're all on the other side. We didn't hear from the last sister. So she was smart, kept her mouth shut. Mm. But I think she goes the other way. It really made me sad. It really, really hurt me. Well, what were they saying? Well, they were saying along the lines of what my mom was saying. None of them wanted to say that she made it up. They all kind of took the Republican line on it. She's not making it up, but... You can't hold him to a standard that wasn't the standard back in 1982. I don't even think that's what they said. I think they said that they don't think that he did it, that she doesn't remember. So and they weren't going to go with the, uh, the liberal argument that says, it doesn't matter whether or not he did it. The fact that he cried and raged and was uh, all political in front of the committee was the problem. Well, hey, I went there. I went there and I said that almost exactly that same thing. I said, even if he didn't do this, okay, we're getting too political and I don't want to go there. But I did make that argument and um, no one responded to it. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, yeah, yeah, you liberal hack. They're just like, yeah, our our bleeding liberal (laughs) sister out in Rome. This is what I'm talking about, though, about this, not to get too political, but what I'm talking about is the sense of isolation over here. I have people that I dearly love that are on the other side too, but we almost can't even talk about it. There's just no in between. And so There's no middle you ground. have to avoid it completely and be like, I love you. I disagree with you, but I love you. And they're like, I disagree with you, but I love you. But secretly you're just like, ow, you know? And they're like, ouch. That's what I am. I'm, we all said the same thing where we're like, okay, let's not talk about this. I love you. And then these women are all, and I'm not just saying this because they're my sisters, they're all exceptional women. We've been through a lot in the past year. Our father died. One of my sisters lost her son. One of my sisters found out she had breast cancer. We have been going through a lot. And like the amount of support, totally non-judgmental, loving, like no snarkiness. My sisters are amazing. 
they're just amazing women. And I've thought that so many times and they're so strong. They're so incredibly strong. Another one of my sisters is going through something else that's horrible, like her son is getting divorced. It, and they're so strong and they're so positive. And I'm like, how can you be these amazing women, caring, loving? One of my sisters is an advocate for victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. Like that's her job. That's her life's calling. And still think this way and still think that that man deserves a place on the Supreme Court. So it's very hard for me to reconcile the sisters that I know and love in those political positions. Would you imagine that they feel the same way about you? I guess so. I guess so. Particularly because you're the youngest. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the least wise. She just doesn't know yet. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Or maybe they think because I'm over here, I don't know. I'm not living in the United States. I don't know what life is like over there. My mother even said to me one time, you don't even deserve the right to vote. Wow. That was during an argument. She wouldn't say that if she were calm. But yeah. she said, you shouldn't even be voting. You don't live here. Yeah. It's like we all have a fishbone that's stuck in our throats. And we can't quite hack it up and we can't quite get it down. Hmm. And because of that, we can't talk. Yeah. And then what happens? We are isolated to forming our tribes on Facebook. This is the thing that's so interesting about you being over there now versus when you were in Montreal is that it's, I feel like we're all living it online. Every single thing happens online. Yeah, I guess I just have this image you walking into a coffee shop in San Francisco and being like, what the hell just happened? What's going on with our country? Be able to have a conversation in the piazza, in the city, in, the, in your office, in your coffee shop, you know, just being able to have a conversation with people. Yeah, we certainly do have that. Or you have, for instance, years ago when President Obama was elected, and if you were in a democratic city, you would find people running through the streets so happy that we finally elected a non-white president. So yeah, we do have those collective moments. But we also have this kind of caretaking thing, I guess, that's going on. Emails are going out saying, okay, the hearing's happening today. We'll all probably be watching it. Maybe kind of triggering for a bunch of you. Here are the resources that might help, you know? So there is sort of this collective care. But again, I still feel like a lot of it is happening online. Yeah, I'm sure it is, but I still feel like if you know that if you turn to somebody, whether it's your coworker who sits at the next desk, your husband, or a random stranger on the street, you know that if you turn to someone and you say something, they're going to know what you're talking about. Sure. You're going to have to sit and explain. I wanted to talk so badly about this to someone that I wanted to go into work and sit down with my colleague who I sit with every single day, who I'm not exactly close friends with. <laughs> we get along okay, but we're not buds or anything. And I want to just like sit down and just tell her the whole story so that then after she knew everything I was going on, then I could have that quote unquote bitching session with her. But I'm like, I can't sit and like spend 20 minutes, tell her what's going on. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You're not starting from the same spot. And anytime I would read something online that I just wanted to be like, oh my God, did you see this? I can't just turn to my coworker and say, did you see what he just said or what just happened? Because they're just not there. And it's really hard. It's even harder for people from other countries. Like I have this close friend who is Romanian 
we really don't know what's going on in Romania. Yeah. The whole world loosely follows American politics. They don't follow it closely, but like they know, they have an idea of what's going on. They know who Trump is. Do you know who is the president of Romania? No, of course not. Neither do I. <laughs> but your friend does. My friend does. But I read this article. This is back when I was consuming way too much news. I read this article about Rudy Giuliani, like doing some very shady business with somebody in Romania, somebody in the government of Romania. A couple days after that, I happened to see my Romanian friend and I said, oh my gosh, I don't know if you read this, but that, that I started to tell her what I had read. And she's like, oh, trust me. She knew the whole story. And it wasn't just Rudy Giuliani. There was this massive problem going on in, in that country with the government, like a huge, huge problem. And I'm like, geez, how isolated must she feel that her whole government, it's the opposite though. It's like the president is the only good person and like his, everyone around him is totally corrupt and they've taken all his power away. And it's kind of a scary situation. How isolated must she feel? Nobody even know, has any clue what's going on in her country. In a sense, being an American is, at least you have that. At least you know that what happens in America is, happens on a global level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in times that out by, what, a thousand if you're a refugee from a war-torn country right now? Yeah, I mean, I can't Because even. not only are, is it not in the news, so updates would be, I would assume, hard to get. You also have been through so much and people don't even know about it. Or they know about it, but they don't know, know about it. But they can't understand. Yeah. No, they can't understand. Yeah. So interesting. <sighs> Jeez, I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> So do you want to just like continue your your blackout and I'll just send you like the highlights once a week? No, don't send me anything. Don't send me anything. <laughs> I do go on about once a day to read the headlines. Yeah. Let's just let's just make this clear. It's only been like two and a half or three days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time by the time this episode's out, it may have already completely collapsed is what you're saying. It really depends on how this vote goes. If he's not confirmed, if he gets defeated, I might just dive right back in because it'll make me feel good. But I just don't think that's going to happen as much as I want that to happen. Here's what we should say as we're recording this, which is on Friday and this episode's coming out on a Monday. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We don't know. So you you guys know we do not know. Which is why we, we don't know what Tiffany will be like next yes. week when you hear this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so surprise. I don't even know what I'm going to be like next week. Um, I mean, do you think like the larger issues that are at play are going to make it over there? What do you mean the larger issues? Well, you know, I mean, I think part of the real focus of the Donald Trump presidency has been the redividing of the lines between what is and is not acceptable when it comes to male and female interaction and the way that it's talked about. Culturally acceptable, not that assault or something has ever been acceptable, but culturally. Well, I think some kinds of assault have been acceptable. I think that unwanted kissing. Well, they've been permissible. From a female point of view, it's not necessarily acceptable. Yeah, it's not. Ex but I mean, it's been treated. It's as been such. treated as such. I mean, like having your butt grabbed, being kissed when you don't want to be, lots of stuff like that. That's not rape, but is still assault. You know, finally, it's being called out. Yeah. Hey, don't touch a woman unless she says it's okay. It's like hello, like a crazy idea. <laughs> so, what was your question? Is that does, is that making it over here? It is a crazy idea. That's the thing. That's why there's such a shift that's going on right now. If something changes, it's going to be a major cultural shift. Do you not feel like things have already started to change? I think they've already started to change, but they haven't settled in yet. Yeah. I think some people are trying to flip it back in the other direction. We'll see how it actually changes. With this talk of, oh, I'm worried more about my sons than about my daughters. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. 
That's a power thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But anyway, we are getting political on this. We are. We are. <laughs> Sorry if you disagree with us, but we would love to uh, hear from you. We do have a lot of people in our lives that that disagree with us who are probably listening to this right now. Hi. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, I guess I was asking, do you think any of that cultural conversation just about men and women is coming into play in Italy or not? Um, it's very hard for me to gauge where Italy is in that sense compared to the United States. But I, I want to say like, with the exception of randos on the street, which in Italy, like you're much more likely to have unpleasant things happen to you in very public places. You're much more likely to have someone rub up against you like on the bus than in the United States. I feel, okay, I don't know that that's a fact. I just feel like from the people that I've talked to and from my own experiences, those things happen just as much, if not more, over here. But I feel like the other things that sexual harassment in the workplace and people that you are, know in a business relationship just grabbing you. I just feel like that doesn't happen as much over here. I can't put my finger on why. I mean, besides obviously my own experiences, maybe it has to do with the deep sense of respect towards the mother figure and the female figure in general that Italians seem to have especially towards women that they know. Again, strangers on the street, I'm not going to vouch for how they're treating women. But people that you know, people in your life, I've always gotten the impression that they are more respectful, at least when it comes to physical touching. They might say things that are chauvinistic. You know, Italians are like kind of painted as being chauvinists. But I, I feel like it might be all talk. And when it comes down to it, they wouldn't actually put their hands on a woman. Of course, this is totally anecdotal, so... I don't have anything to back this up. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tiffany, how can we all make you feel better? Okay, I need cat <laughs> videos and okay. dog videos and, and baby and cat videos. Videos with babies and dogs, squirrels. <laughs> Go on my Twitter. Go back a ways and find the video of the squirrel bearing a nut in a dog. In a dog? Yeah, he's bearing a nut in a dog. Okay, I think you said it to me. I will go find it right away. I had some people on Twitter send me some amazing dog videos after I had that conversation with my sisters. I, I tweeted, I was like, I need something to distract me, something cute. And I got some cute videos. So that is, that is a big help. Or if you know any like really good shows on Netflix that are like really lighthearted, but quality, okay, they have to be good. You can send me that. Yeah. So you can send those on Twitter at bittersweetpod. Mm -hmm. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Katie Sewell. And I often, if I come across something super cute, I will post it. In fact, I have a super cute Humpty Dumpty thing up right now. I saw the Humpty Dumpty <laughs> thing. That was adorable, Katie. I know. So uh, I'm just saying <laughs> that maybe on our feed, maybe there'll be a little bit more of that, at least through the next week while you're on your political diet. Yes. Yes. And if you follow me on Twitter, me personally at the Pines of Rome, you will notice, you may have noticed that I was starting to get really political there. I noticed. You noticed. Of course you did. I was just consuming it. I was just reading it up until about a week ago. And then I started tweeting it out. And so that stopped. <laughs> so <laughs> For good or case, for ill. That's done for now. Just in case you don't want to read it either. Yeah. Yeah. I have stopped doing that. <laughs> So we can take your temperature, really. We'll see, like, as it starts creeping back in again, we'll know that you've fallen off the wagon. <laughs> I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to try to be good because it's much more fun. The other morning at breakfast time, instead of basically reading my Twitter feed, 
while my son had breakfast, we had a La La Land dance party in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. It was super, super fun. I really was a huge fan of La La Land. Very nice. I've started reading books at breakfast. I try to do that. I try to do that, but I have to get up every two seconds with this child, so... It doesn't really work. La La Land it is. La La Land, yes. And any other musicals. One more quick reminder before we go. For those of you who were participating in our share the share is now officially over. That doesn't mean you can't tell friends about the show. Please do. Yes. It's never too late to share. If you did play along and you haven't yet sent us any sort of notification that you did play along, do that ASAP. Okay. Mm -hmm. So email us at bittersweetlife at mail.com or contact us through our contact page at thebittersweetlife.net or through any of the social medias. Just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast and let us know right away that you played along so that you get the secret episode, the truth or dare episode. Yes. And if you have those truth or dares and you did participate, please send them along too. Yes. We have a lot of good ones, so I cannot wait to get into it. But I'm giving it a little bit of time before we record it just to make sure those of you who forgot to tell us, tell us. All right. And we'll leave it there. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Hi, Katie here, busting in really quick to remind you that we need your stories for upcoming shows. First, we need the story of your travel angel, the person who helped you out when you needed it most. Maybe it was someone you knew, or maybe it was a stranger you never saw again. And second, we need your travel regrets. Those are things you wish you had done differently, or that opportunity you wish you had grabbed when you had the chance. Send your stories to thebittersweetlife at mail.com or record a voice memo and send it to us so that we can hear you on the show. Again, that's bittersweetlife at mail.com or you can find a contact us at our website, thebittersweetlife.net.